welcome to Life Done Differently, a podcast that's all about people who are living alternative lifestyles. Hello and welcome to another episode of Life Done Differently, the podcast. I'm Lisa, your host. A few years ago, I read the D.I. Hillary Green series of crime novels by Faith Martin. The lead character in this series is a female detective who lives on a narrowboat. Ever since then, I've been fascinated by narrowboats and what it would be like to live on one. So I'm super stoked to have finally found two people to talk to about narrowboat life for the podcast. Anthony and Paul, together with their dog Dexter, went from living in a big house to enjoying narrowboat life on the canals in England. In this episode, we talk about how and why they made the decision, what attracted them to narrowboat life, and what life on the canals is like. Paul and Anthony share lots of valuable insights about the practicalities of narrowboat life, what they enjoy most about the lifestyle, the challenges they had to overcome, the community around them, and much more. If you've ever wondered what it's like to live on a narrowboat, this episode's for you. I hope you enjoy it. So here's my chat with Anthony and Paul. Hey, Paul. Hey, hi, Anthony. How are you going? Yeah, hi, Lisa. Hey, good. Thank you. You? Awesome. I should say good morning to you guys in the UK. It's good evening here for me in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've just had our breakfast and sat with a coffee while we're chatting to you. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad you've got your caffeine handy to keep the energy up this early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too early, is it? <laughs> um, oh, that's good. Well, thank you so much for making time to have a chat with me. I'm really, um, really looking forward you know, in hearing a bit more about your lifestyle and learning a bit more about what narrowboat life's all about. No, you're welcome. And thanks for asking us. We're really excited. Awesome. Um, cool. So I've um, obviously already given away the fact that you guys live on a narrowboat, but um, mm-hmm. do you just want to briefly introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about, you know, what makes your life a bit different? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm Paul. I'm a professional magician by trade, but all that changed last year and we decided to move on to a narrowboat in 2018 and it took a year for the boat to be built and we just moved on last year, didn't we? Yeah. Um, awesome. So my name's Anthony. Uh, I I work full-time for the NHS as a sonographer. Um, That can be a bit difficult because we still have to, at the moment, keep the location quite close to where I work. Um, But Yeah, and and the car is an issue as well, like retrieving the car once we've moved the boat. But it seems to be working. Yeah, yeah. We're managing quite well, aren't we? Yeah. Cool. And, and for those of us who are not in the UK, what is the NHS? <laughs> so it's um, it's a free um, at-point health service. So oh, I know other countries right. have something similar, but, it, but our health service is free for everybody. That's right. My sister actually lives in Birmingham and she has mentioned it. So now that you say it, it does ring a bell. Um, yeah. Cool. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I love the magician as well. So that's a diff- bit of a, you know, I should have talked to you just because you're a magician. That alone would be enough yeah. to qualify. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how things work out because I've done that for 35 years full time and I was feeling like I needed a new challenge um, and I was just getting back into my art at the time. And yeah, and then the events of last year forced me to do art instead of magic. But it's gone yeah. really well. The timing was perfect for me. 
Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, because I guess as a magician, you're sort of relying on events and being allowed to meet people and mm. socialize and, and all that sort of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And yeah, you know, a lot of schools and libraries, that kind of thing, which haven't been yeah. having outside visitors or entertainment at all. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, cool. So I'm really curious to hear about, you know, where did the idea for a narrowboat came from? Like, you know, what, what made you want to move on a narrowboat of all things? So I think we, we used, because we've got a dog as well. We spent a lot of mm. our time sort of wandering down the canals with sea boats. And I think like most people, you're quite curious about the lives that people live on the boats. And, and then we saw a woman who was picking blackberries and we were, got chatting to her and she just sold a house. Um, it was the first time, first year, wasn't it, on the, on yeah. the boat. And we were like, oh, God. And then we did some more research. We're like, we could do this. Um, yeah. 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 And she said she'd sold a house, moved on to Narrowboat. It was the best thing she'd ever done. And from that, we went home, didn't we? And started looking online at the cost of Narrowboats. And we were quite surprised, one, at the expense, even for secondhand Narrowboats, but two, <laughs> also the amount of things that are on a Narrowboat. So a, a log-burning fire, washing machine, mm. full-size shower. And we'd only ever done day hire. And we had no idea that, you know, liveaboard boats had all these facilities, which were great. Yeah. And so can you try to, um, you know, paint a bit of a picture of what a narrowboat actually is for those people who've maybe never even heard of it? So essentially it's a, it's a floating corridor. It's an... <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great description. I love that. <laughs> I, I said a bathtub with a lid on it, a steel bathtub. Well, because because of the narrow boat, can, because of the canals, most of the canals are only seven, eight feet wide, sometimes less than that. So most narrow boats, by nature, are six foot ten wide. And you do get some wide beam boats, but you're limited to where you can travel on the canal system on those. So with a narrow boat, um, yeah, the six foot ten wide, ours is 57 feet long, but you get varying sizes up to 70 feet. Is feet okay, Lisa? <laughs> Sure, sure. I'm sure, you know, it's these days, like, no matter what you say, someone won't really know what it means. So it doesn't matter, whatever. <laughs> we should use metric. There's varying layouts as well, isn't there? So yeah. we've gone for a um, reverse layout, which means that our bedroom is at the bow or the front of the boat. Um, the tr traditional layout is that the bedroom you walk through as you come onto the boat. Yeah, from the stern. Yeah, but we didn't want family traipsing through our bedroom. and. Yeah. Um, the, the layout works really well for us, doesn't it? Reverse layout. Yeah, yeah, as liverboards. Yeah, and and do you guys know? Because I was actually wondering as I was sort of you know preparing for this, is it a, a typical English thing, or do you know if, if narrowboats? I've only ever seen them in England. Um, do you know if they're like popular in other parts of the world? So, well, they have them in Holland. Okay. And yeah. In, and in France as well. Apparently, their canal networks really well maintained. Mm -hmm. And they do have a very short canal network in America. I think it's New York that way. Um, oh. I'm not sure what it was used for, but yeah, they do have a short canal system. But I think there's over 3,000 miles of canal system in the UK, which is great for us. We can get yeah. all the way down to London and all the way yeah. up to Lancaster going towards the Lake District. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you still don't really know what a narrowboat is, just go to Google and look it up. Um, they look really cool. I also love how lots of people seem to like to paint theirs quite colorful. Um, so it's a really, you know, cool sight to see them on the canals. 
yeah and we we really like the old traditional boats i mean we've gone for a new build and it's very modern um you know it's it's a very modern interior it's very modern uh, the paintwork's very modern and it's got privacy windows so it looks really cool some people still prefer the old traditional ones so mm. yeah we love both don't we yeah Cool. And so, so, you know, what kind of motivated it all? Were you looking for a change in lifestyle or was it more that, you know, the narrowboat sort of thing found you and you were like, oh, we really want to do that? A, a bit of both, I think. I think because, um, I think because we're a gay couple as well and we had a, we had a house that we'd sort of renovated, renovated, we paid it off mm. almost. And we were just <laughs> like, what's this money doing here sitting in a house? That somebody else will benefit when we die so we sort of want to enjoy that money while we're young enough to enjoy it yeah for, yeah. for me though lisa i think it was the fact that uh, we'd lived in that house for 12 years and we felt like we wanted a, a new challenge i thought i think maybe it was a midlife crisis <laughs> but <laughs> yeah we because we really like the canal system and the nice villages around where we live it was really expensive to buy a house and what we didn't want to do in our stage of life was take on a bigger mortgage and carry on working as the norm. Um, and we thought, actually, getting a narrowboat allows us to visit these beautiful locations in the UK. And if we don't like our neighbours, we can just move on. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of the things that I love about living in a van is, you know, first of all, I can sort of be beachfront when I could never actually afford mm. to buy a house beachfront. Yeah, no. um, and, you know, you just have that flexibility and you can stay somewhere if you like it and you move on if you, you know, if you don't like it anymore. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think what, what's what been surprising to me, especially, I think I don't know if you're the same, I always had this romantic notion of being moored up in the middle of the countryside and having a, sky, a starlit sky. Uh, but actually, it's the cruising that we really enjoy because we're getting different scenery every day and the people we meet along the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I got to say, I don't enjoy the driving much. I, no. I kind of think that cruising in a narrow boat is a lot more enjoyable than driving on a highway in a van. <laughs> yeah, um, but I know what you mean about that, you know, seeing the people and the, the journey and going to different places. Yeah. It's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sedentary, isn't it? Like yeah. very, because there isn't obviously the same um, vehicles on a, on, a, on a canal network. Well, yeah, because it's a slower yeah. pace of life, isn't it? You sort of you're not stuck yeah. in traffic and rushing to get somewhere so much because, you know, the fastest you can go on the canal system is four miles an hour, which is walking pace, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, how much about you know your life changed? Other than obviously you're not living in a house anymore, but on a, on a narrowboat now. Um, but you know, did did your life change in other ways as a result? So I think for me. It's, it's enabled me, or it will enable me, to reduce my hours at work. Mm. And I think eventually um, I can go locum, do locum work, which means then we can go up and down the country. My my, yeah. my life hasn't changed quite as much as probably yours, because mm-hmm. um, you've changed sort of tack with your job, haven't you? Yeah, sort of. it's sort of forced me to change career. But actually, um, going from being a magician, where I travelled a lot and you know spent a lot of hours on the road... Um, and doing my art I can do that from the narrowboat so that's what I really enjoy is sat on the narrowboat with the doors open to the canal uh, what we call the duck hatch so it's basically it's like a um, window 
a metal window, well, two, isn't it? Mm, two, two small saloon doors. Yeah, two small <laughs> saloon doors that you open up and you've got a great view of the canal or you can chat to people going by. I sit there with a cup of coffee, doing my art, and I'm keeping you know the dogs here to keep me company. I just love it. It really works yeah. for me, um, doing art yeah. from the narrowboat. Yeah, I can picture that. What kind of art do you do? Uh, it's all British wildlife uh, at the moment, and it's all pastel pencils. So I did go to art college for two years, but I never thought um, I would pastel pencils would be my chosen medium. But it just re- works really well, doesn't it, for animals? Yeah. Yeah. Get a lot of fine mm. details. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, and so, you know, when you, you mentioned before you um, were chatting to this lady who was living on a narrow boat, and that sort of, you know, started it all for you. But tell us a little bit more about that, you know, time in your life and, and how it went from being an idea you had to actually being the reality so I think we constantly looked at we're always drawn to the canal we, we kept doing it for years and years we kept looking and talking about it and I, and I think one of the one of the biggest things I think was I reckon COVID made people look relook at the lifestyle and, and realize that mm. there were more important things than the money yeah life's short isn't it i think as well that we forgot to mention we used to hire a day boat um you can hire a day boat canal but they're only about 10 to 12 feet long sort of three or four meters and they're very basic because you know nobody's living on them obviously so it's just got a very small kitchen and a toilet that's it um but we used to do that every year for about 13 years and the minute you stepped onto a narrow boat and went down the canals and the birds are singing and it's it's so quiet on the canal we just felt totally relaxed, didn't we? Yeah. And every year we joked and said, should we buy one? But it was only after speaking to this lady that said she'd sold it and it was the best thing she'd ever done that we seriously thought about it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, and so, you know, that whole process of going from living in a big house to downsizing into um, a small little narrowboat, how, you know, what was that experience like for you? Uh, yeah, well, we like Anthony said earlier, we only had about a year left on the mortgage and we thought, oh, do we want to take on a bigger mortgage and move to another house? And and the bigger your house, you you, you probably know this living in a van, uh, the bigger your house, the more you fill it with stuff. Oh, and around yeah. that time that we were thinking of buying a narrowboat, I was also looking at minimalism. And I did have a lot of clutter. Being a magician, you just hoard stuff and you buy props <laughs> and books and DVDs. And we had I think that was the hardest thing for me. We had hundreds and hundreds of books, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like really addicted to um, recipe books. So I like going into like um, thrift stores and, and looking around at old recipe books and I'd like shelves full of them. Yeah, that was our biggest collection, books, DVDs, CDs. Yeah. So all of those went. Um, but yeah, I was looking at the minimalist, minimalist lifestyle and moving onto a narrow boat really sort of... Yeah, is that, is that idea, what then? sort of drew you, do you think? trying to condense your life and yeah absolutely I mean for me a big part of it was just um you know I was your typical um early mid-30s you know went to uni worked did all the things you're supposed to do and then sort of got to the point where I was kind of questioning you know what's it all for it's like well I'm earning all this money what you know what am I going to do with the money is it you know um and so just yeah. was questioning my whole life um but I did really enjoy the downsizing and actually it's funny you mentioned books because that was a hard thing for me too um took me a while to get used to having a kindle instead of you know a hundred books um yeah. so yeah but it, it, 
I don't think it was sort of the main motivation for me, but it was definitely, you know, something I enjoyed doing. And, and now I really love it. Just having, you know, such a simple lifestyle and everything I own fits into a van just makes, you know, life's just simple. I love it. Yeah. I, th- I think, and we've had this conversation that uh, certainly in this country, I know other countries generally rent rather than, but we're definitely programmed in this country to sort of go to school, go to uni, get a job, work, work, pay your bills. And then eventually you sort of step off and take a step back and just think, yeah, like you said, what what's this for? There's more to life than this. There's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. Think, sorry, Lisa. I think for me as well, we, we've been going along the canals for the past nine months or so, and there's some gorgeous houses that back, up, back onto the canals and they've got stunning views. But most of the time, those pe- those people are at work paying for that house, mm. so they're not actually sat in the garden. <clears throat> Excuse me, they're not sat out in the garden enjoying the gorgeous views, and that's yeah. what we didn't want to do. Is it just work yeah. to have a nice house? Yeah, absolutely. But was it sort of a bit of a? Were you nervous about the decision to? You know, did it feel like a, a big deal at the time, or were you just like, nah, this is the right thing. We know what we want to do. This. I think we were nervous because because we had made a massive effort to pay the mortgage off, um, made some real sacrifices to do it. And then we had the conversation that if we step off the property ladder, we will never get this type of house back again because mm-hmm. of our ages and, and one thing and another. So we had that discussion. We, we had to say we really have to know this is what we want to do because giving up the house that we've got is a big deal. But actually, there's not much I miss about the house. No, it's weird. And I mean, I loved gardening, so we had quite a big garden mm. and everybody used to compliment us on the garden, didn't they? But we've got all this open countryside around us and you probably find the same, you know, your view changes every time you go to a new destination and you camp. Oh, van. definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you get what... the gardens without having to do the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is a lot of work, isn't it? I think uh, what was funny for me when Anthony messaged me, because so we planned on buying a narrowboat it, uh, for about 18 months, two years. We watched YouTube videos to get information and ideas. And um, we went to look at second-hand boats. And then we finally decided to get a new build boat because that was the easy option for us to sell the house and have the finances ready to buy the new boat. And we couldn't yeah. really do that if we bought a second-hand boat. Um, and also, it, so I Anthony texted me from work and said, oh, do you know, let's just do it. And I'm like, seriously, do you not want me, do you not want to phone me before I phone the boat builder and say, can we have a boat? And he said, oh, just do it. And I went to phone the boat builder and I hung up and then I did it again and I hung <laughs> up. And it took me three attempts because I thought this is such a life-changing moment that, you know, once you've, once you've committed to the boat builder to buy your boat, there's no real going back, is there? No, no. But once I'd spoken to the boat builder, Kev, and I said, can we go ahead and order a boat? I was so excited as soon as I'd hung up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, I was actually just, you know, talking like a lot of other people that I talked to, um, the, you know, the, they sort of always look back and say, you know, it actually wasn't that big a deal or that big a decision, you know, when it's something like you go traveling or even for me, like living in the van, you know, it's just sort of something you do. And if you don't like it, you go back. But I guess for you guys, you know, because you had to sort of make that big step of actually buying this boat, which is quite an investment, it was a bit more of a, you know, life changing, permanent sort of decision. Yeah, and especially, you know, a boat needs to be lifted out of the water and have its bottom blacked so it doesn't mm. rust every two or three years. So it's not, 
I think, you know, you've got maintenance the same as a house, but a house is always going to probably go up in value, would you say? Yeah, 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 it's definitely depreciating assets. Yeah, yeah, but we we don't care. No. (laughs) As long as you enjoy it while you're doing it, it's kind of worth it, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's also like a an environmental factor as well and it's not mm. that wasn't the biggest reason that you know no. if I'm going to be honest but we generate our own electricity we you know we get our water as part of our license fee um we get free hot water when after we've cruised the engine heats the hot water so I, I reckon we're more conscious of what we consume mm. than we were in the house which is just on tap isn't it your water's just there you're heating where so we're definitely yeah. more aware I mean, yeah, you're yeah, probably the absolutely. same in a, sorry, Lisa, you're probably the same. Yeah, in a yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. yeah, absolutely, definitely. You're just sort of more aware of it. And I notice now when I'm back in a house, I'm always super conscious, you know, like when you do the dishes, you're always very careful about how much water you use because you're so used to, you know, having to watch your, your water usage and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got quite a big water tank on the boat. It lasts about two weeks before we need to refill with water. And there are usually wow. quite a lot of water points along the canal system. But you've got to be really conscious of your water use, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. So um, maybe we can, you know, I think it'd be cool to hear a bit more from you guys about the sort of practicalities of it, especially for those people who are listening to this and maybe considering narrowboat life for themselves. Um, so you mentioned there's a license fee you pay. Um, is that sort of what you have to do so you can then be on the canal? So how does that work? Yeah, most of the canal system is run in this country by the Canal and River Trust. Um, there are There is another company, like the Bridgewater Canal is owned by the Peel Group. So you pay a license to the Canal and River Trust if you're going to use their canals based on the size of your boat. And for us, it's just under £1,000 a year for our boat. But that gives you free access to water, to shower points, um, to rubbish facility, you know, waste facilities. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and the practicalities of it. So we have a Cala gas bottle, so that's probably very similar to what you're used to, um, yeah. that lasts about three months on an aeroboat. Um, the water, as I say, that's from the water points. What else? You have to, well, you have to think about your, your um, garbage as well, because mm. we, you know you can only get rid of it when you're passing a, a point, a disposal point. Um, we have a... We call it a compost toilet. Other people will call it a... a diverter toilet so yeah. basically um it separates solid and liquid yeah. um and we use like compost for the solid and then with the crt and now canal and river trust they're now talking about creating points where you can actually physically compost it where at the mm. moment we, we're not able to do that um but legally in this country because um urine is sterile so long as we're so far away from a water source we can just tip it in the ground yeah that was probably too much information for you, Lisa, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it's you know what? It's funny because um, I'm quite like involved with the tiny house community down in New Zealand. Yeah. And a few of my friends like live in tiny houses and we've got near some events and stuff. And honestly, every time it's that topic, you know, at dinner yeah. table, it usually takes like half an hour, like maximum before yeah. someone's like, so how does the toileting work? <laughs> well, that's definitely, definitely like, all the narrowboats to joke that you, it always eventually gets around to toilet talk. Yeah, I, I think the compost toilets are the best way. You can get an incinerator toilet, but it costs a fortune to maintain yeah. and to run. Um, you know, if money was no object, an incinerator toilet would be excellent, wouldn't it? Yeah, because yeah. apparently you can, for two people for two weeks, it, it burns it down to the size of an egg cup. Wow. 
Yeah, so, yeah, but it's true. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's not truly compost because you have to bag it and then bin it. So yeah, like Anthony was saying, if the Canal and River Trust put these facilities out, that we can get rid of that waste properly, and yeah. you'd feel better about that, wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, it's definitely a lot better than I don't know what the you know motor home and caravan people do in the UK, but here most of us have these cassette toilets that you then need to empty. Yeah. Um, yeah. which, you know, is a bit of a hassle as well. And you kind of have to do that every, you know, four days or so. Um, so I'd love to have a composting toilet in the van, but um, it's just a bit, yeah. bit too hard to make it work right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, the cassette toilets are used quite a lot on the narrowboats, aren't they? And that was, yeah. yeah. So that that's one of the most popular systems, I'd say. Well, that was going to be the standard toilet in our boats until yeah. we asked, could we have a compost toilet? Yeah. Uh, the other oh. thing, um, fuel, so... Getting fuel on the narrowboat, um, you usually go into a marina or actually there are some old-fashioned, what would you say they are? Traditional fuel boats. Fuel, traditional fuel boats. Traditional fuel oh. boats, really old boats from about 1900, are they? Yeah. And um, they're still working and they go along the canal system and you can get coal, logs for your fire, and they can fill your boat with fuel, which is excellent. Oh, isn't cool. It? Yeah. yeah, that sounds awesome. It sounds like something from like an you know old school movie or something. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a bygone era. It's really nice, isn't it? Especially they have what they call a Lister or garden engine, which you know they sound like the old tractor steam engines. They sound amazing. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so I'm curious, with you know, you've been how long have you been living on the boat now? Just a year and a half or so. Uh, just just m- under a year. Yeah, just under oh, a just- year. Um, so what's been your favourite thing about it so far? That's a really hard question. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to pick one favourite thing, isn't it? I t- you can, you can pick two or three if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did, what? there's a famous area called the Peak Forest Canal, which is between Manchester and Derbyshire. There's some stunning scenery and we had to do 16 locks to get up to Marple. And on the way back down, you go over an aqueduct right next to a viaduct. And that was amazing. We got some amazing um, drone footage of that, didn't we? Um, And also, I think something we were surprised at, travelling into Manchester city centre. So we know Manchester really well. And Castlefield is quite a trendy area of Manchester with bars and cafes. But we'd never travelled there on a canal. And it was such an amazing experience to be moored up right next to these massive high-rise modern buildings. It was so different it's, to what we're used to on the canal. Yeah, it's cool how the world is different from the water, eh? Like you can know an area really well, but you get on the water and it's like just such a different experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And everybody comes out to take pictures of the boat and ask you questions <laughs> about the boat. And it's really nice. It's just, um, yeah, just adds to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I keep saying is that I know we've done the right thing because when I go to work, I can't wait to get back to the boat. Mm. It feels like I'm on holiday permanently. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of like, I mean, um, that sounds like that's sort of your, your favorite experiences with it. And in terms of actually living on the boat and like living in such a small space, this, like what sort of, you know, stands out there for you that particularly, you know, you enjoy um, and makes it worth it for you? I think it's the coziness of the boat. So it, it is a small space, but it's got everything that we need. And like Anthony said, we go to work, we come back, we can't wait to get back on the boat. You know, we've got the solid fuel fire burning and we've got some nice lamps and it's it's just such a small but cozy space. It, it, it sort of feels, I guess, because of the space and like, you know, you the moment you come down into the boat, you shut the hatches down, you feel like you're just completely disconnected from 
the outside world, mm. I think. Yeah. And you totally forget you're in such a small space. Yeah, I can relate to that. I always, um, you know, I, I do a little bit of house sitting um, here and there. And, you know, it's always sort of, first of all, it feels weird being in big, in, in such a big space again. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm just always really love being back in the van because it is so cozy and comfortable and, and yeah, just um, something about it. How do you feel about security as a, a lone woman in a van? You know, I get that asked quite a bit. And I think, um, first of all, like New Zealand, such a safe country um, on yeah. the whole, you know, um, really like good place to travel. Um, I've never had, um, like I've been almost four years now on the road. I've never once had a situation that I thought was dangerous. Um, I did, you know, one thing that was really important to me when I bought my van is that I can get from the, you know, the back, like the the bed into the driver's seat anytime and take off without having to, mm. to go outside. Um, yep. so having that like walkthrough was really important to me as a safety thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, never had any issues. And so the longer you do it without having any issues, the safer you feel about it. Um, yeah. yeah. And we've got a really good sort of community, you know, around that. So it's very rare for me to be somewhere completely on my own at night. You know, usually there's a, a few other bands and motorhomes around. So then you kind of, you know, safety in numbers yeah. situation. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds exactly the same for us, actually, because we keep going to new locations, obviously, but there are usually narrowboats around in the popular well, locations. They always tell you that, don't they, too? Always more, ideally, where there's other boats, not not more where there's graffiti. I think we've just, we've had one incident where, and I think it was just some drunken lads coming back after the football match, um, untied the ropes on the boat, and we woke up to find we were adrift. We were adrift. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, it's something we laughed about it really, didn't we? It wasn't, yeah, yeah nothing major. I think, yeah. do you think you worry, Anthony, more about the safety on the boat? Yeah, so I think because I'm a, I'm a bit of an insomniac, so I really have trouble sleeping. And mm. so the slightest noise or the rock of the boat, I'm very, very aware of my surroundings. So, um, and I think as well, because you were oblivious when we were in Manchester and we were stopped yeah. outside the Etihad. I think you're less aware because I know the area. Oh, that's a famous football stadium. Yeah, yeah. Etihad, it's, isn't it? it's Manchester, City, uh, Manchester City, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I knew the area. I knew it was, it was a bit sketchy and I was, so I was very, I didn't yeah. sleep. The only reason we moored there is because it was getting dark. It was sort of still yeah. um, going dark at 5.30pm, yeah. wasn't it? So we decided it was too dangerous to carry on going through the locks in the dark so we just moored up and I felt fine I think for me Lisa it's um I've done a little bit of wild camping and I just felt mm. completely safe because you're in the middle of nowhere I think I felt safer than if you were camping in a back garden but that was in the middle of a city yeah so that was very different <laughs> yeah I think. yeah with the boat yeah yeah you know I I always tell myself that you know whenever I feel sort of a bit um unsure about things it's like well you know if you live in a house and you know at night you kind of think someone's trying to break in then you know all you can do is like try to hide somewhere and call the police whereas if you're in a van or a boat and someone tries to break in you can just take off you know and, and yeah. leave them behind yeah. so that's what yeah. I tell myself you can Lisa but we can only go four miles an hour they can keep up with us yeah true <laughs> One but you can just drift not... to the middle of the canal and then they would have to swim to get to you. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. true. One thing that we've not mentioned is the wildlife. I mean, we love the wildlife, especially, oh. I, mean, I think we both love wildlife. 
but we get ducks and geese tapping on the boat really early in the morning and they're sort of eating the algae on the side of the boat but it just sounds like 15 or 20 people tapping on the boat (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's cool they're coming to to ask for breakfast i thought but they're just wanting the algae (laughs) yeah well they tell you not Um, to feed them because if you do feed them they just keep coming back every morning i can imagine yeah for sure Um, do you have a great sort of narrowboat community in the UK? You know, do you just people know each other and you catch up when you see other narrowboat people? Yeah, that's that, and that's like one of the really nice bits. It's like, so I think in this country, many years back when I was growing up, it was very much a, a community, so people knew each other. And I think that's gone now. And I think people are, are so insular within their own lives and they go to work, they come mm-hmm. home, they lock the doors, they don't speak. And it, and I think we've on a narrowboat. It's what I remember community being like when I was a child. Yeah, that sense of community, definitely. And and most boaters will be really helpful. You know, if you need. Uh, yesterday we moored up to get water, and the hose pipe connection was the wrong one. And one of the boaters said, "Oh, you can borrow mine." And people help you moor up. Um, any problems you've got? It, it's just real. And the the company that built our boat, they put us in touch with other people who've got the same boat, and we've made some lifelong friends, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. Mm. that's great and yeah you know what like I'm starting to sort of realize you know I think that's something that you have in all these different you know lifestyles like whether I talk to people who you know live on sailing boats or in you know school buses or um, vans or you know now you guys on a narrow boat or just people who are um, you know nomads and travel and and you know those sort of things as soon as you do something a bit like different and out of the norm Mm -hmm. you kind of seem to get this community with it right this sort of sense of belonging and and supporting each other you know looking out for each other um i really love that you know for me it's like one of the best things about like doing something a bit different is just kind of getting that connection with people yeah because you're all like-minded then aren't you it's you're all in it for a very similar reason um and you like like-minded people yeah absolutely and you also have that sort of i think maybe it's just because there's sort of fewer of you and then it's sort of easier to care for each other rather than when you you know live in a city with millions of others maybe it's sort of a bit harder to actually really care about you know a million other people but caring about a smaller community and um, maybe sort of that you know that's doable yeah yeah, yeah definitely mm-hmm. Cool. So we've talked a lot about all the positives and how much you guys are loving it. Um, but there must be some challenges, especially sort of in the early days when you first get started. And, you know, so what are some of the biggest challenges you had to overcome or that you're still dealing with every day? Well, um, the canal system would be great if it was in New Zealand because <laughs> a, a British weather is just um, so uh, we don't. I'd love to continuously cruise and not go into a marina in winter. But the practicalities are, you, you've not got much sun, so you're not charging your solar. So you've then got mm. to run your engine. <clears throat> excuse me. You've then got to rent, run your engine to charge your batteries. And if the canal freezes, you're stuck in that place, and you've no way of mm. getting water. And even if the ice is quite thin, it's it's not advisable to move your boat because it can damage the blacking of your boat and the boats yeah. next to you as you pass them. And so that's probably one of the challenges. We've not gone through that yet, have we? No, I think actually, I think from the very start the challenge was for for us was to fall into a routine a routine and roles because you know you while i think we've got a, a very healthy relationship it's very different when you're so confined um mm. and so it was that 
initially we were bickering more, weren't we? And yeah. Then, but it's fallen into them roles that, you know, like, this is what we need to do. This is what I'll do. This is what you, you do. Um, and then it becomes more harmonious, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's that adjustability, isn't it? Adjusting to the new lifestyle. I, I think we, we don't really argue that much. We sort of jokingly bicker, but like most couples do. But when we yeah. were moving the boat, we used to bicker all the time because I'd say to Anthony, are you mooring, are you mooring up at this point or just getting crew ashore? And he was like, I'm, and we'd start arguing with each other. Yeah until we got into our roles. And I said to Anthony, we can't carry on like this. It's supposed to be enjoyable. And after about <laughs> seven days, we sort of got into yeah, the routine, yeah. didn't we? Uh, anything like that, any change of life takes some adjusting. And when it's two of you, it's, you know, I think it's easy when it's just one person adjusting to their own life. But mm. when you've got to consider somebody else, it, it makes it a little bit more tricky, I think. Uh, I can imagine, especially sort of, you know, when the change involves um moving from you know a house into quite a small space and you sort of you know you're just sort of with each other all the time and and things that you might have not even noticed because in the past you would have just you know been in different rooms or far enough away from each other so suddenly it's you know sort of there all the time so I can imagine that that's quite an adjustment yeah. um, and you know if, yeah. if some of the other couples I sort of talk to who live in smaller spaces you know they always say it's like you find out really quickly whether your relationship actually works or not when you you know move into a small <laughs> space together <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, um, sorry, just sort of taking a step back, what you mentioned was interesting with the um, spending winters in the marina. So is that usually what the narrowboat community does in England? You kind of go into a marina and then you just stay put for winter? Or how does that work? So a lot of, a lot of, like, a lot of hardcore narrowboaters um, frown upon going into a marina. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you, you're sort of selling out. And In but, fact, there's a term for it, isn't there? They say you're a floater, not a boater. So if you're not moving <laughs> and you stay in one place, that's what you're doing. And it's true, isn't it? Yeah, but but to me, I don't see the point in, make, in just making something hard just to prove a point. Um, and the good thing about the marina is, we again, we met some real lifelong friends there. Yeah. Um, mm. In fact, a group of you know two of them were going to a boat show this weekend. We'd never have met them if we'd not been to a marina. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be very different this year because we felt a bit trapped due to COVID. We weren't allowed to go mm. on each other's boats. If you went out of the marina, you weren't allowed back in. Um, where this year the restrictions have, have been lifted, really, haven't yeah. we? Pretty much. So yeah. we should be able to socialise if we decide we want to go for a cruise out. So we're not there the whole of the three or four months yeah we did feel a bit trapped in the marina because we weren't allowed mm. to go out and if we did we couldn't return um so yeah that will be different this year i think the other thing as well with the british weather the towpaths that go alongside the canal get so muddy you can't really walk through it it's just that muddy, yeah. isn't it um so that's something to think of in the winter and some people have private moorings which could be next to land or property and they pay that landowner don't they yeah. to stay in that one place yeah yeah. So right now when you're um, moving around, like how long do you tend to stay in one place? Do you move around quite a lot or is it sort of, you know, spend a week here or there? So probably a week here or there because yeah. the, the maximum you can stay generally in any one place unless it, unless it's signed saying differently is two weeks. Um, okay. And I guess while we're just doing the Northwest at the moment, mm -hmm. it's and because of work, it's easier to try and maximize the time in a space. And then it gives us time to explore as well. Because what mm. we don't want to do is travel and then 
like just travel on and never see the place we've been to yeah yeah definitely so do you um you, you know you mentioned you're staying in the northwest because of work so do you actually have to go into an office for work at the moment yeah so i i i have a patient list so i have to physically be in there to treat the patients oh. yeah and that, right. that's well, never going to change yeah yeah but that's going to limit um, it doesn't sound like one of those jobs that's going to go remote anytime soon, right? <laughs> yeah, def- definitely <laughs> so not. It'll sort of keep you in one place for a while. Have you guys thought about, you know, is, is the long-term plan to stay in one area or would you, you know, consider a career change or have you thought about that at all? No. So my, fortunately, my job allows um, me to locum so that, so I can do some work in an area. So we can more up in an area. I can pre-contact some local agencies and say, have you got any work in this area? Do the work and then move on. And I think we've worked oh, out yeah. I probably would only have to work one month, uh, one week a month. Yeah. I, for That's myself, I've, I've, I've done a few magic shows um, and it's been really difficult because we can't store the magic props on the boat. We don't want to store mm. them in the car. So the magic props are stored at my parents. So I have to leave the boat drive to my parents, which could be over an hour away, collect the magic props, drive to the venue, perform the show, then drop the props off back at my parents, then drive back to the boat. So it makes it a lot more difficult to yeah. do shows. But maybe in the winter, I can ju- I could just do maybe magic shows in the winter. Mm. Um, and we, when we're based in a marina, that'll be a lot easier, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. I, I often find, you know, um, here in New Zealand, um, like there's lots of seasonal work around fruit picking and the wineries and stuff. And there's quite a few people who are sort of in that nomad travel community who, you know, just stay put for like two, three, sometimes four months um, and, you know, do that. And then they go off and, and, you know, travel the rest of the time. And it's actually quite a good sort of system having that, you know, these are the months that are for work and then you've got your free time to travel um, yeah. as well, you know. So, yeah, it's quite a good good balance, I think. Yeah, yeah definitely. That sounds ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, that it's really interesting. Like I'm, you know, really keen to maybe one day when we're all allowed to travel again to actually go and, you know, check out because um, I've, you know, seen the, the narrow boats and videos and read about them. I've never actually been on one, but um, it sounds like such a cool lifestyle. And um, did you find it like um, challenging to learn to, you know, maneuver um, and, and I guess drive it or was that quite easy to learn? I think we'd done day hire boats. We had an idea of how to steer, the how boat. to steer, but mm. our, our boat builder wouldn't sell you a boat unless you did a helmsman training course with him. Oh yeah, that sounds and responsible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a two-day training course, wasn't it? Yeah, because that—that's a scary thing, Lisa. You can our boat weighs seventeen tons, just the steel shell without the wow. contents of it. Um, yeah, and. You can just pick up the keys to a narrow boat and you just set loose onto the canal. You don't need to have a license, it's, you know, just your canal and river trust license. It's quite scary wow. when you think about yeah. it. People with yeah. no experience. <laughs> well, especially I would think that, you know, if two of those narrow boats, I mean, even if you're going quite slow, but if you crash into another boat, it probably can, you know, cause quite some damage. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's quite a, protect, quite a lot of protection at the front of the boat, but we know mm. of day hire boats or hire boats that they've had for the week and people are drinking and they can crash into the side of the boat and smash windows that kind of thing but it's quite yeah. rare isn't it yeah. yeah 
Awesome. Um, well, you know, it's honestly been so interesting chatting to you and learning a bit more of, about the lifestyle. And and I think, you know, people listen to this, um, hopefully kind of got a bit of an idea of what life on a narrow boat um, would look like. So um, just to kind of, you know, maybe wrap things up, um, do you guys have any tips for other people who are considering um, narrow boat life? I think the biggest thing is research because we did a lot of research um, decided what type of boat we wanted make sure you do a holiday on one don't just jump into it because you may absolutely hate it make sure your partner wants to do it as well because we've heard of couples (laughs) where one's really wanted to the other one hasn't they've gone ahead anyway and then somebody's we actually talked to a couple recently and said if we don't sell this boat i'm gonna divorce you <laughs> yeah, def- definitely do your research. Um, earplugs would be really important. And what we did, we hired a boat for a full week that was a very similar length to the one we were thinking of buying. So that's you know, and exp- try and experience being on the canal in autumn and winter, not just summer, because I think you'd yeah. have this fault perception yeah, of what it's like to live on a boat. Definitely, I always say that to people too. You know, if you um, considering this sort of lifestyle, make sure you hire an, a van or a motorhome on a rainy weekend. And if you still want to do it after that, you know, you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the same in England. Do it in winter. And if you enjoy yeah. it, it's definitely for you. Yeah. Absolutely. So you mentioned earplugs. Is it quite noisy? It's just it's just you get woken up, don't you, by the ducks and stuff? Well, oh. a lot of the canal system in this country, they built the railways alongside the canals because they followed the, the most direct line, didn't they? Well, it was built for industry, wasn't it, initially? So. Yeah. yeah, so you do get you do get trains going past quite regular, but we, we quite like that noise. Yeah. But yeah, it is the wildlife, the ducks. Um, and sometimes if you're moored up and you're not right against the bank, you've got your fenders down and they can bang mm. against the boat. And oh, and also when you get a, a, when the boat gets hot in the summer it creaks and cracks you feel like you're out at sea on a ship <laughs> does a van do that does like is it like gets hot and then cold it like creaks no it doesn't creak does it's it quite sort of nah and i've never noticed it creaking it's quite um wind sensitive so i do you know i've had some yeah. sleepless nights just because of the wind shaking me around um yeah. Or, you know, when it rains and, and it rains heavily, it's really loud in the van because it's essentially like a metal box, right? Um, yeah. So those sort of, you know, things. Um, but no, I don't think it creaks. I've never noticed it creaking. I'm going to pay attention to it now, but I'm sure I would have noticed it. <laughs> it probably, no, it probably doesn't. And it, it is the same thing with us for the rain, isn't it? Because we have single glazed windows to cut out condensation. Um, hmm. So, yeah, that, that sort of, it would help if we could have double glazing. But yeah, when it rains, especially. But I love that sound, to be honest. I love the sound of the rain. I like. I used to like it when you used to go camping on the on yeah. the actual canvas. I just, I really enjoy that sound. I do, Lisa, but not at five a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when it's like sort of a you know soft to medium rain. But yeah, sometimes yeah. here in New Zealand, it just like pours down, and then it's literally like someone's you know hitting like on a on a pot next to your head or something. <laughs> So that's what I don't enjoy it anymore. Um, cool, awesome. So um, you guys do a really cool YouTube channel where you share um, videos about you know, your life and your travels. Um, so what's the? How can people find that? Yeah, the name of the channel is Narrowboat Life Unlocked. So if you search for that, there are a lot of narrowboat channels out there, aren't there? Some yep. really good ones. Um, we've got just under 9,000 subscribers, um, but you know, we've, 
for if you think about it, we've lived on the boat for nine months and three months of the YouTube channel, we didn't even have the boat. We talked about, you know, the thoughts behind it and the process of buying a new boat. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so yeah, that's that's easy to find. Yep. Cool. I'll put a link in the description as well. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, I watched some videos and it was just so beautiful. I think you guys do some really good shots on, you know, just when you, when the boat is like on the canal and all the nature and the green around it. And I just like looked so, you know, so, so peaceful and nice. Yeah. So um, <laughs> <Thank> yeah, <you>. <laughs> <laughs> check it out. I'm sure it'll also give people a bit of a better idea of what a narrow boat actually is and, um, and you know, what it would be like to make a home of one. Yep. Yeah, definitely. They yeah. should do it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Hey, thank you guys so much for your time. It was really um, awesome chatting with you. And thank you so much for sharing all this information about um, living on a narrowboat. Oh, thanks, Lisa. It's really nice to have uh, met you, even over just audio. Audio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you uh, so much for asking us. Awesome. Well, um, you're welcome. And maybe we can have an in-person meeting one day. I think I mentioned my sister's in Birmingham. So when the borders open again, I might make my way to the UK and for a visit. So oh, yeah, um, give, you know. give us a shout. We'll yeah. give you a, a little thing of the narrowboat. Yeah, definitely. Cruise. We'll give you a tour, a tour and a cruise as well. That'd be awesome. Well, if you ever you know, decide to take the boat over to New Zealand, let me know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you again well, so much. Thanks, you Lisa. Too. You too. Thanks, Lisa. Right, take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'm looking forward to bringing you another one soon. If you want to get email notifications when new episodes go live, you can sign up on my website. It's lifedonedifferently.com forward slash podcast.